because you're jumping back into the gut. Hey coach, welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Coach, I really appreciate your support and sharing of the podcast. I'm excited to announce a new partnership that we have started and we are now presented by and supported by the outstanding team at risingcoaches.com. Aligning with a basketball brand like Rising Coaches has always been a goal of mine since starting the basketball podcast, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that has come our way. Rising Coaches provides access to the largest coaching tree in basketball. Through them, you can develop your craft as a coach, connect with other coaches and decision makers, be the first to learn about countless job opportunities on the exclusive Rising Coaches member site. Go to risingcoaches.com today to find out more and become a member. Awesome to welcome Loyal Marymount head coach Dan Johnson to the basketball podcast. The 2020-21 season saw incredible growth across the board for LMU men's basketball. The Lions finished in the top three of the West Coast Conference standings for the first time since 2005-06. In his first season as head coach, Coach Johnson posted a winning record in the WCC for the first time since 2011-12. LMU also posted a top 100 ranking in the NCAA's net rankings. LMU's 95 ranking is the highest net since the Elite Eight season of 1990. In his second season, Coach Johnson continues to build the program. Coach Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you for letting me come watch practice this year. That was uh, a wonderful experience. Got to watch video session and then into practice. And, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a few questions about that and then some of the general things about your program. But uh, maybe let's start with uh, the player-led component, which I was really impressed with. And uh, that has to do with team huddles after water and before practice outside the gym. And then the players run in. I thought that was a really cool thing that I haven't seen at many practices. Yeah, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, our, our players leading our program. And anytime you take over, you know, those are the things I've probably have spent the most time on. And uh, you've been around a lot of places and so have I. You know, sometimes as coaches, we lead so much that the guys within your program don't know how to do it. And I see that no different than a scouting report, like when you're getting ready for a game, you know, and I always used to tell assistant coaches, like, it's fine that we know what to do. It's fine that we have all the answers, but it doesn't matter if the kids don't know it. They got to know what we know. And uh, for me and our program, our guys leading and taking charge and taking ownership, um, I think they have a greater chance now to fight for something when the game comes because they believe in it. And we spent a lot of time on that, you know, our kids preparing for practice. And, you know, you were here. One of the things we do, we, we, they go out and that's kind of a reset. And they kind of talk about, okay, what do we need to get done today? And then we run into attack practice. And, th- and that's what that is. And then same with the, the, hub, the court with these guys all the time. And they've got to learn how to figure things out. And in those moments, we had those opportunities to do so. Well, I loved it. And uh, just for coaches, so your players were on the court prior to practice, doing some pre-practice work. And then before official practice started, they would leave the gym, they would huddle, and then they'd run in together with great energy. And uh, that was a component. So beyond that, can you take us through the two-minute water break portions as well? Because I thought that was another time where your players got this chance to lead themselves and reset and maybe take us through what's supposed to happen in those moments. Yeah, you know, after you know, X amount of minutes in our, in our practice plan, we, you know, I'll give them a two minute water break. And uh, that's a chance again, for us to, to push pause. And that's no different than maybe a timeout in a game. And you have so many stoppages in the game. And this is a way for us to create those stoppages in, in practice. So then we can get right back to attacking. And sometimes when there's stoppages in the games, you know, some teams react differently. Uh, and in those stoppages is an opportunity for our players to talk about, okay, what has happened, you know, over the course of the last, whatever, how many segments, what do we need to get better at? What is coach on us about? You know, how can we correct that now? Or what are we doing really good that we need to keep 
building off. And usually what happens is, you know, they'll get their water, they'll shoot some free throws, and at about 50 seconds, you'll hear them saying, okay, let's go one minute, let's huddle, huddle. And they all come together and it's, you know, they make two or three quick points that they need to do and boom, right back onto the next thing. So it was great to see. And I'm curious then, are there also moments in practice? Let's say you're having a bad practice somehow. Is there a moment for you to be able to tell them, hey, listen, this is your time to huddle, to refocus instead of you having to create that refocus for them? Absolutely. And I think the way we've done it, our guys are so accustomed to it. When we're having those moments, they can at any point get asked for those two minutes. They can walk out the gym. They can do it in the gym. They can push reset. And because we've been, you know, on like a year and a half now of doing this, they understand that. And I usually don't have to make them, you know, somebody can feel that and they can ask for those two minutes, that stoppage, come together, talk it through, get right back to it. You mentioned year two. So maybe let's dive into that a little bit. I talked about some of the success in the first year, obviously building into the second year. What did you notice the most from one year to the next in terms of practice with your players now that they've been around you for one more year? You know, Chris, the biggest difference, I don't know how other coaches feel. I, I think the, the, the biggest difference for me this year that I've noticed is, you know, last year because of COVID, practice was an outlet for everybody. You know, it was the one thing we, everyone looked forward to. Because now you weren't in your room, you know, you, you weren't confined, you know, it was the only space you could really go to. And I thought we took full advantage of that. This year, the biggest difference, I feel like for us, we've gotten back to that where it's just another day. And that familiarity, okay, well, we have practice today and you're, you're kind of going through the motions a little bit. And it's taken us a little while to snap out of it because things, up to this point have become a little normal. You have your girlfriend, you have your families, you have, you're a little more distracted than we were a year ago. And in our program, that's been what we've been trying to, again, reestablish and fight against now that you have so much or so many more options. Uh, and, and, and that's been a huge thing for us. You know, how can we get back that sense of excitement? Because man, we get a chance to do this. And um, I feel like, you know, we, we've turned the corner for, you know, in the program that way. But that, that, that's been a fight. And that's been the huge difference between last year and this year. That's fascinating. I'm sure that's common for a lot, of, a lot of programs and a lot of teams this year as well. And as well, adjusting to playing in front of people again, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't calculate that. You know, I, I, I really didn't. And, um, for example, you know, we're three and three at home. You know, we're three and one on the road. We're one and one on a neutral. We, we played well on the road. I mean, on the road, we really have. And at home, you know, we've lost three one possession games. And a big part of that, again, you know, last year there was no one and it was just us. And we've had to readjust to that. And, and that's been really interesting. And again, I'm sure it's something that all programs are going through. And, uh, you know, it's it's just fascinating times to have to deal with all this. And coach, I want to go to something that I thought was one of my biggest takeaways. And that was and it was an early season practice. Uh, it was a good practice. But one of the challenges I know early in the year and for your team was to get them to slow down on offense. And your quote that I wrote down was, hey, guys, what is offense? Offense is jazz and R&B. Defense is hip hop. I loved it. Can you, can you connect that for us? Yeah. You know, it's actually something when I was at Marquette, uh, one day, uh, Steve Wojciechowski came in and I heard him say that, and I, you know, obviously I have great respect for him and I, I thought it was actually pretty cool, you know, and I, and I stole that from him. And all that means is, you know, if you listen to R and B music, it's typically slower, slower, there's a slower rhythm and pace to it. And you know, hip hop and rap, there's more excitement, there's more up tempo. And, you know, the thing we try to hit home with our guys is offensively, we want to slow down. You know, it, it's better to be late than it is to be early, whether you're coming off a screen, 
whether you're setting a screen, what, what have you. Um, and defensively, we want to attack. We want to play uh, on the edge of almost being out of control. And sometimes it's, fl- it's flipped the other way, especially with young guys. You know, they want things to happen so fast offensively, and they're playing at such a greater pace that you, you get out of control. You don't make the right reads. You don't take time to set up your cuts. You don't take time to set up your screen. You don't take time to, to come off uh, a ball screen, um, you know, the, the proper angles. All that takes time. It takes patience, and it takes you slowing down to see it. And, you know, kids are really into music. And I think sometimes when you use that analogy, it's a way for them to go, oh, yeah, I get it. And, and it's something we hit on a lot. Yeah, that was great. And, uh, you know, we talked about the game slows down when there's screening and that's ball screen or screens away. And you had both situations in practice and you could see the idea connect with players, you know, and almost to the point, I'm sure you've noticed that, that they almost slow down too much at first because it's this exaggeration that helps them learn. Yeah. And again, I, I, I would rather it be that way um, than the other. Um, and, it, you know, offense, I think, as you know, I think that always takes time. You know, even what you saw us doing, we're still working on that. You know, especially when you're playing a five-out flow game where it's more reads and guys are just playing, you know, and uh, – that's a little harder than structure. And what I found is, you know, our guys are actually much better when we run a play, right? A to B to C to D to E to F. That's easy for them. But they want to play more freestyling and, you know, open and freedom. But within freedom, you still have to have certain rules, principles, and fundamentals that you have to follow. And and that's what becomes harder. Uh, But I think when you learn how to play that way, It actually makes your set offense better. I'm a big believer if you teach kids how to play, which is to make reads, read and react, whatever you put in offensively from a structure standpoint becomes better. Yeah, it's this concept of structured, unstructured. And again, I saw that at the practice. And the one thing I think you said is you said, guys, you got to diversify what you do. Basically, don't do the same thing two times in a row so that they get used to doing different things. Because sometimes they fall in love with one thing when you talk about flow or freedom, right? Yeah, I mean, something, you know, again, the guy could go pin down and hit curls and he's open, right? So it's not, all I'm going to do is curl, 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 curl. Well, no, now you got to counter that, right? You got to keep the defense off balance. And the biggest thing is I think sometimes, you know, players, they predetermine what they're going to do. And when you're playing a free five out, space you out offense, you can't, you got to let the defense dictate what you do. Again, that goes back to making reads. How do you do that? You got to slow down and you got to see what's happening. So I'm going to come back a little bit to how you play and some of the structure and uh, both practice and uh, play calls and different things like that. But I want to go first to the weekly culture meetings. And maybe you could explain a little bit of the structure of these. I've seen it on social media and I watched a video session. So I didn't see an actual culture meeting, but I saw your team in a meeting. So I want you to just expand on what those are and why you do them. Yeah, you know, again, after 20 years of coaching, I've, I've been at seven, eight different programs. I've worked with a lot of different guys. And Chris, what I've seen, and I don't know about you, I think sometimes, you know, first of all, you know, culture is a, is a set of behaviors. It, it's how we want to conduct ourselves. And it's a word that so many people use. But oftentimes what I've found is we don't really identify and show the kids how we want it live that culture. It's oftentimes just things that are written on a wall. Culture is not what's on your wall. It's, it's, it's who you are. It's what you do. It's the people within the organization. And what happens sometimes you go through a season and let's say you hit a lull, you know, three game losing streak, two game losing streak. All of a sudden now we're going to have a meeting, you know, and sometimes that meeting, maybe we're going to go bowling or it's a come to Jesus meeting, or we got to figure it out. But what I've learned the kids are really smart and what they go, well, the only reason we're doing this is because we're on a skid, right? So now we're going to try to figure this out. So what I did when I got here, I said, you know what? I want this to be a part of who we are. And every week we're going to meet. And for us, 
my, my meetings are, they're structured every bit like a practice plan. I have a practice plan for our culture meeting. And one of the first things we do in that is we give uh, academic feedback. And we're, really what that is, is a positive feedback. You know, hey, Eli's got an A in business. Uh, Cam's doing, he's got a C on his last uh, chemistry test, which was really hard. Um, you know, so it creates positive peer pressure. And guys within the program, you know, you want your name called at some, at some point. You know, we, we then go to uh, our habit share. And we have an app called Habit Share where all our guys can track the habits that they want to improve on, as well as the coaches. So we'll spend five minutes talking about how we're doing with our habits here. I make them call success hotline, which is a hotline that you call. There's someone on there, a doctor who gives you a motivational message for the day. And we may say, Hey, what'd you guys get out of success hotline this week? And everybody kind of talks about, Hey, you know, I got this, I got that, I got this. And oftentimes it relates to what we're going through. You know, then we'll then go to the thought of the day and the thought of the day could be what's happening. Uh, you know, like what happened with the Raiders, you know, they had the Gruden deal. Uh, they had their player that got in that car accident and killed someone. And, and usually we'll talk about how that affects us. How can we stay away from that? Could be also things that are positive. You know, we'll then talk about what's happening around the world. Sometimes we talk about Afghanistan. It could be a social issue because for me, I don't want our kids to ever get asked a question by a peer here on campus, by uh, faculty members, and you, you don't have a response. I think that's powerful. And it's got to be more than basketball. And I think it's, it's equally powerful when people know, man, this guy's deep. He's got knowledge. And then it, the, the last piece of it, we spent 30 to 40 minutes on uh, the, the, the culture lesson. And in that piece, it could be uh, the fear of failure, F fear of failure. Um, or, you know, uh, how you structure your day. Again, it's, it's, it's a lesson that, that we can apply now, but hopefully it's a lesson that our kids can take with them for life. And, and those things are, are always done a week in advance. But what happens is it's, it's, it's every week and it becomes what we do. So now when we're in the season, and we do have a skid or things aren't, and we call that, it's not like, whoa, it's, no, this is what we, this is what we do. We could be in a five-game winning streak. Guess what? We're going to have that. And what I've also learned, sometimes in winning, there's underlining things that are, that are building up. Somebody's frustrated. They're just not saying it because the team is winning. But the minute you lose, boom, it all comes out. And I don't want that. So those meetings are also a time to, okay, guys, let's put it out here. What's bothering us? What are the issues? What's happening underneath the surface that we need to bring up so we don't have to hit a bump in the road. You know, so winning, losing doesn't matter every week. It's what we do. So about one hour, one time a week is generally one, the schedule. One hour, one hour every Wednesday. I love it. So some cool ideas in there, especially the positive reinforcement idea. I think too often players are told what they don't do well and uh, to have that positive reinforcement and have that drive a program is so powerful. Yeah, no, I, I think, again, you got to have a healthy balance. And, uh, you know, as coaches, as I know for me, I'm constantly driving these guys and it's hard, but you got to lift them up too. And it can't just always be basketball. And I, and I think because of that, you know, our GPA has been extremely high here. The kids have really bought into that. And that's a life thing. And, and that's more powerful than even the game itself. But positive reinforcement, you know, I, I, I say this all the time, you got to, you have to put enough deposits in the piggy bank, especially emotionally, because you take so much withdrawals. And if you just withdraw, 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 guess what, man? You're going to be in the negative with these guys. And it's, it's a tough line. So that's a chance for us to, to put a, a, a deposit in the piggy bank. Great analogy. And um, I saw it. Uh, in practice and the film session. So I'm imagining the culture meetings are similar, that it's not just a lecture, it's you asking questions. Because you did that so powerfully, I thought in film and in practice that players got a chance to be able to speak and find the answer themselves and not just give it to them all the time. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. And, and our guys know, you know, even in those meetings, Chris, like they can challenge me. 
you know, that's a time for them to say, well, coach, you know, you did this, boom. I didn't like, and we can have that. You have to have that, especially in this generation. Uh, but, uh, you know, as you're watching film, same thing. I think sometimes I'm going to go back to what I said. As coaches, we feel like we're doing such a good job of explaining. And we're doing all the talking. Well, maybe the kid's not getting that. And the more questions you can ask, the, most, the more collaborative we can be, player to coach, coach to player, the better we can all grow and learn. And, and sometimes I may think something's easy and, and maybe they don't see it that way. And I'll ask our guys, how do you feel about this? What, what's your thought on this set? Like, what does that feel like for you? And coach, you know, that angle or it's kind of, then we make adjustments. I think I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. It doesn't need to be my way. It needs to be a collaborative effort. So I know part of this uh, all comes back to organization, which is a big thing for you. Your assistants talked about it when I was there, that the, you usually planned a full week ahead with your schedule. Players know it in advance. Can you just talk about the importance of this organization and the structure that you put in place for your players? Yeah, I, I, think, I think organization, um, it gives you clarity. It gives you peace. You know, just guys knowing their week. You know, what's my week look like? And that doesn't mean like here and there things don't change. I don't like to do that to our guys, though. I think the more you can plan out, the more you can structure your week as a player, uh, as coaches, the more success you, 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 you tend to have. You know, okay, we're doing this. This is what our week looks like. I can build in my study hall hours here. I can do this here. I can spend this time with my family. I, I think that's really important. The more you start just moving things around, and there's constant change. I think it, it creates anxiety, right? And I, I want our guys to have peace and calm. And I'm a big believer that, you know, here we can win 50% of our games just on shared organization, being organized, know what's coming. And that's big for our staff, you know, being on the same page. Um, but it's more important for our players to know every single day, okay, this is, I know what this day is going to look like. I know what Tuesday's going to look like. I know what Wednesday's going to look like. And it, it gives them a comfort level to now ease their mind and be at their best. And I, I think that's true for them. I think it's true for us as, as staff. And it's the only way I know how to function is, is to, to have that kind of organization that creates clarity, that, that, that calms the nerves and allows you to, to think things through and be at your best. It's, it's such a contradiction of coaching, right? Because you're trying to create this peace, this this calmness, but at the same time, you want to make them uncomfortable as you challenge them to grow. So can you talk about that balance and especially that balance relative to accountability, which is, I know is big for you as well? Yeah, you know, for me, the, the, where we make them uncomfortable is, is on the floor, right? And, you know, they don't necessarily, they're not going to know the practice plan. And at any moment, I can change something because that's what the game does, Right. And I want our practices to be much harder than the games. I don't know if we can always simulate that, but that's the goal. And I want to stretch these guys where when they get into a game and they get into a game situation, you know, it's, it's nothing that they haven't seen. You know, uh, I am unbelievably um, passionate uh, about coaching them hard and, and pushing them to a place they can't take themselves. And, and that's as a player and that's as a student, you know, even in the classroom, uh, I expect our program to always have over a three Oh at a, at a place that's really, really hard. And I'm more upset with our guys when it comes to academics than even on the floor. And I get really mad with them on the floor, but that's where that level of, um, you know, if a kid was a two, five student before I got here, no, you can, you can get a three Oh and I'm going to push you. And, and, even if that means you're going to miss practices or games, we're going to fight for this on the floor. You know what? You're averaging 15 to seven. That's great. You can get to 18 and 10, right? So in those areas, that's where we push, even as a human being, who you are, how you speak, how you look, how you talk. You're trying to get people out of their comfort zone. And, uh, you know, I, I think for us, that's how we try to, create that edge and uncomfortableness where they can grow. And I'm sure you've been exposed to this as both an assistant and now as a head coach, but this passion that you have, it's obvious and it showed in practice, coaching them hard again, showed up in practice, but I want to clarify, like 
it was a tone change rather than say yelling and losing your mind. That wasn't a part of it. I'm not saying you don't at some times, but in that practice, you could tell that your players were directed by the tone of your voice, just changing a little bit to show a little bit higher intensity. And again, that's that's the art of this, isn't it? To be able to help them understand the truth behind what you're saying. Yeah. And and I think, you know, even behind that, Chris, you know, I think we live in a day and age and it's hard for our guys. And, and I talk to them about this all the time. Like for me, I think you have to build strong relationships with each kid. And you have to build strong relationships with your team. That goes back to that emotional piggy bank. You have to love them hard so you can coach them harder. I'm a big believer in that. And sometimes if you don't have the relationship and now you get to practice and the tone changes, or now you're pushing them and you're on them, if they don't feel that, it's hard for them to go to the place that you want them to go. I'm a big believer in that. Even when you have the relationship, sometimes it's hard for them to respond to that. But you can't do it all the time. You have to have a tone change. You know, and there's days where I come in and I'm on a boom, boom, boom. And there's days I say, you know what, guys, you guys do that. I'm going to be the good cop today. You have to have that. And there has to be a balance because too much of anything is not good. You know, if, you, if all you eat are apples, apples are good for you. That's probably not good. You, you have to be able to mix things up. And I try to, and believe me, it, it's, it's hard. But the one thing I try to do is my tone changes. The language sometimes can not be where it's supposed to be, but it's never personal. Like I'm a big believer in that. We're never going to, it's never going to be me attacking you as a person or calling you out of your name. You know, the tone changes, but you can be better. We're better than that. You know, it's, it's, I think even in that there's a way to say it where it's kind of positive and you're getting their attention. I couldn't agree more coach. And uh, talked about forming relationships and obviously the culture meetings being a part of that. I'm wondering what you're doing individually with players to form these relationships as well. What are some of the things that you're doing? Well, you know, like, for example, in the summer, uh, once we got done, um, our staff, we traveled the country. We, we, I took everybody, our ops guy, assistants, everybody in the program. We went and we met with every kid's parents. You know, whether it was lunch somewhere, dinner, breakfast across the country, we did that. Right. And for me, it's a, that's important. It's not only the kid, it's, it's their families and, and building that connection and being organized and saying, okay, hey, here's, here's, here's Jalen's DOC for the year. And the DOC is something we, every time, like we're getting ready to play Gonzaga, defense, offense, culture. Here are three things in each category we must do well to win this game. I do that for each guy too. So we go and we meet with their families. Here's the DOC for Jalen. And if Jalen's not playing this year or not playing as much, here's why, right? So even right there, we're on the same page. The parents get to give me their input. I give them mine. We walk out of there and we're on the same page. So that, right? These guys know if a guy calls me at any point, which some, they'll, they'll do, hey, coach, we're coming over. They can come over to my house. They can fall asleep on the couch. They can give themselves something to eat. Uh, they can play video games with my kids. Never have to ask if that's okay. I want them to feel every bit like they would feel if they were home. And in those moments, we're not talking about basketball. That's how we build, you know, uh, like this week, we have an off week. Uh, we play Gonzaga Saturday. We have a, I'll sit and meet with each and every one of our guys scheduled meetings for 15 to 20 minutes. Hey, where are you at? Life, academics, we're at the breaking point. How can I help you? Okay, here are the things I need you to do better. Constant communication. Sometimes it's just taking a guy to lunch. You know, I always like lunch, don't they? <laughs> they love it, right? Or I say, hey, you know what? You two guys come over for breakfast in the morning at the house. So I think it's finding different ways, different touch points, but being intentional about that. Thankfully, you guys are beyond the days when you couldn't even give them peanut butter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tell me about it. I lived those days as a player. I'm sure you did. Uh, DOC, love that. Defense, offense, culture. Is that updated then throughout the season for them and for the parents? Or how do you keep that flow going in terms of that? You know what, if there's some, we may tweak it here and there a little, but usually it's pretty consistent, uh, but that will change year to year. You know, hopefully a guy's gotten better in an area. We move that, we move the needle, we add something else. You know, for our team though, it constantly is changing. 
So we actually had a big DOC on defense, offense, culture. Here are the things we must improve on going into the season. Now that we've gotten to the season, we've had some improvements in some areas, some areas we've gone backwards. We've changed that. And it's something I put in front of them every meeting, right? We're, we're doing here, good here. We've regressed here. It's constantly in their face so they understand uh, what it is that we're doing good, what it is we're not doing well. That message is constant. I wanted to take a brief pause from the podcast today to tell you about the pick and roll offense course on basketballimmersion.com. An NCAA Division I coach texted me last week telling me that he joined basketballimmersion.com and took his first course. He told me, and I quote, The pick and roll offense course was tremendous. So many creative ways to categorize pick and roll concepts and make the teachings better. I cannot wait to watch more videos and complete more courses. Your learning will never stop as a member of basketballimmersion.com as there are 25 courses with more coming each week, over 600 videos, and now over 70 master classes on special topics and so much more. Get one-stop shopping to stimulate your coaching. Get access at basketballimmersion.com and support not only your coaching, but this podcast as well. Thank you for being part of this community. So I know we, we, we believe this, we say this, we try and act all the same, but say going into a week where you're playing Gonzaga, your players, you can't BS them. They know that this is a bigger game than normal, right? So how do we approach a game like that compared to a different game? I know we're trying to do it all the same, but is there a difference? It's funny you say that, and I'm going to sound like, you know, like it's coach speak, which I absolutely hate. I hate coach speak. But I, I you know, the our saying in our program is the next game is the biggest game. And I'll ask them why. Because it's our next game. And from day one, that's been our saying. And I think when you play teams like that, you have to be careful, right? To beat a Gonzaga, yes, guys are going to have to play well. You can't beat yourself. But you also don't have to be superhuman. And if you're not careful, you start to do things that you don't do. And that's why you, 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 you lose anyways. You know, so it's a fine balance. You know you're going to have to bring your best. And really, that's all I'm asking is for your best. Your preparation has to be elite. Your concentration has to be elite. Your focus has to be elite. And then your execution has to be elite on both ends. Um, but the way we go into the game in terms of preparation, you know, how many days before we prepare, how we do it, that does not change. That does not change. And I think part of it is, is, is honesty. And I'm very honest with our guys. And, you know, Gonzaga won through whatever is, is maybe as talented as anybody in the country, the more talented. And I, I told him yesterday, won through whatever. Are they more talented than us? Yeah. And that's, that's hard sometimes for kids to even admit. But the most talented team doesn't win. It's the team that plays the best that day. And, and that has to be the focus. Can you play better that day? And, and that's in any game, you know, even games we go in where maybe we're superior. If you don't play better than that team, they're going to beat you. And, and I think we've, we've already experienced some of that. Such a powerful thing. And I'm glad you said that because, again, you don't have to beat them 10 times. You only have to beat them one time on that day. And on that day. that's a much more manageable thought uh, yes. going into those games. And then the other point I love is that actually you're guarding more against not them being intense and being fired up, but about them trying to do too much. And yeah. that's such a thing to say, we got to do what we do and be who we are. And that that's so important in that process, isn't it? Yeah, it's very important. And again, when you're playing a high level team, you can't beat yourself. And you're going to have to beat them because they're not going to beat themselves. And, and that, that is the focus and, and that's the concentration. And I think if, your eyes and your heart and your mind and spirit are on those things. That lends itself to a better, you know, outcome. You're in year two, so I'm not sure if this is uh, an answer yet for you, but I'm curious because as you lay out your offensive and defensive philosophy, it's dictated by your personnel. It's dictated by your philosophy, your beliefs, but also eventually, or is it already dictated a little bit by now you're near the top of the league. What do we have to do to beat the best teams in our league? And do you have that type of focus already, or is that start to come in at some point for you as a coach? Well, my personality is one that it, it comes in right away. 
and I'm the most impatient human being you ever <laughs> see. And I'm fortunate to work with some really good people and especially athletic director who tells me all the time, Stan, this is where we've been. This is what we're trying to do. You can't do it overnight. And it, you know, when he tells me those things, it, it calms me because I, I want us to be great. I want us to be great right now. It doesn't happen that way. But what I want to do, I want to build a program that is able to, to be sustainable. And I think the way the game's being played, Chris, Chris it's, it's versatility, you know, and it's, it's, it's positionless and it's skill and it's, uh, you know, playing offense again where you're making reads off pick rolls and you're giving guys freedom. That being said, though, it does take a certain skill set. You know, in the identity of our program, I want us to defend, I want us to rebound, and I want us to run. I think our defense is coming. You know, especially over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've, we've really grown. And I, I think we're starting to understand that. You know, last year, we were one of the elite rebounding teams in the country. We've regressed a little bit that way. And we've got to find that. We have not ran like I want to. And I think a lot of that is personnel-driven. And I hope that as we build this, you know, we can get that kind of talent because I think if we can defend, we can rebound, we can run. Now you have a chance to get to the top of the league and have a chance to, to play in those games and, and, and beat those people. But it's, it's my belief that's what it takes to have a good program. I think kids want to play in programs like that. It helps your recruiting. Your recruiting, you get the right talent, it helps you elevate. It helps you have a chance to, to win at the highest level in your league. Well, I'm going to go to defense first because another thing I saw at your practice was this defensive buildup philosophy, and I loved it. And, and again, most of your practice was offense versus defense, but one of the key parts of that is when you're doing a lot of defensive drills, it was offense versus defense and this buildup from one-on-one to five-on-five. So can you talk about that a little bit and that philosophy? Yeah, I, you know, I've been around some pretty good defensive coaches. Jim Boylan, who I was with at Utah, was the coach of the Bulls. You know, Jim is unbelievable defensive mind. And, you know, the one thing I, I really stole from him was how you build your defense. And for me, it's always starts with one-on-one. -on -one. And it's the closeout. If you can't guard the ball, I don't care what you do. You know, as you're saying, there's no defense. There's no help for, for a blow-by. If you're getting blown by, you know, it, it puts your whole defense uh, in, a tough, in a tough spot. So that's our first thing. How can we defend the basketball? Being great at that, that's one-on-one. -on -one. What are you teaching on the closeout, Coach? So number one is we talk about H-E-H, -E -H, high early hand. And when we close out, we want to close out with a high early hand, meaning I don't want to hope you miss. I want to make sure you don't shoot. So when the ball is up, we have a high early hand. When he drops the ball, we pop our feet back. We don't change angles of our feet. We pop our feet back to take away the drive. So high early hand, take away the three, pop back when the ball's down, take away the drive. Now you can absorb it. And when he dribbles, you want to big step, meaning I want to move the, the correct foot in the direction of the ball. Sometimes you see a guy dribble and the defender will move the wrong foot and then take another step. You're already two, two steps behind the offensive player. So that's what we do one-on-one, -on -one, really drilling that down. High early hand, take away the three, pop back, absorb the jab, big step, cut him off. Two dribbles. In college, if you can guard that ball for two dribbles and push him to the sideline, you usually already have built-in help. And then we go to two-on-two, -two, where it's more okay. Now, when the ball leaves the outer shell, of that offensive player's fingertips, you've got to already be jumped into your gap to provide help. You know, so we're building that way. And then we go to three on three where we're doing the same thing. We call it six eye help when it's three on three. That guy who has the ball has to see six eyes and we want to eat space. Eating space means we want to use our length to be in our gaps, hands out, uh, you know, inside foot up and we shrink the floor on you. And then it's four on four, and then it's five on five. But I think it allows kids to see the puzzle being put together, right? So I like to build up, take it apart, go backward. You know, we build up, we take it apart, we put it back together. And 
that's kind of our, our buildup, whether we're doing pick and roll defense, transition defense, half court defense, everything in our programs a buildup. And then on the offensive end, uh, I've watched a lot of your games this year, some clips this year, and I saw it there. I mean, you do a really good job running a lot of different things out of the same alignment. And the question is, without giving us maybe your specific play calls, how do you name those uh, and how do you ensure that your players understand not just the base play, but then the counters and different things that play off of it? Well, our players probably get sick of it because we probably <laughs> lead, we lead the country in walkthroughs, you know, offensive walkthroughs, right? I'm going to get off this and we'll go walk through this morning, uh, you know, part of our package. And, uh, and then they'll have an hour and then, you know, we'll practice. But it's, you know, I'm a big believer in, in families of plays. And I want things to look the same. I think when things are all different, I just know for me, from a scouting standpoint, it's easier to pick apart what you're doing and I know what's coming. And I think when you can disguise things within the same action, I mean, it really keeps you guessing as a defensive player. And, you know, we, we put them in the same families and, you know, the naming of them is, is sometimes interesting, but I name our plays so our guys understand when they hear the play call, it's telling you where to go, right? So I'll give you an example. Uh, let's see. Um, if I'm running a, a, something out of, out of horns, let's just say, right? I may give horns a number. So horns, let's say horns one or horns three. We know where the ball is going. And then it may be a word after that, sneak. That tells you who's sneaking into the play. So the wording has to resonate with your players so it leads them to where they're supposed to go. I'm a big believer in that. Not just random names. It's telling you where you're going. Like, I may call that. The opponent doesn't know. I mean, they may pick up the call but they don't really know what that means. Our guys, there's a system to why we're doing it. And if you're listening to it, it tells you where you need to be. Cause sometimes we're moving guys in different positions and just the wording of it allowed. Oh yeah. Orange four. I'm here. Sneak. I'm sneaking in those kind of things. Yeah, it's great. And uh, as an example, then horns is the family. And then the things that come after are more about what's happening within that family of play. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's really cool stuff, and you guys do a great job. And part of that advantage is obviously you're masking what's coming. You said already making it harder to scout. Um, and then you talked about the walkthroughs, and you triggered me to remember that before you did video the day I was there, you did essentially one of those walkthroughs, which I refer to people as this slow learning, this opportunity to be able to do slow learning and to be able to process stuff. And this was not connected directly to practice. There was a break before you got to practice, correct? Yes. And I'm a big believer in that. You know, it, it's it's a it's a teaching. It's time to teach. It's it's slower. Um, it, it's time to you know really talk about the angles of a screen. It's time to implement. I use that to implement offense where we don't have to do that in practice. Kids can ask questions. So when we go to practice, we're working on execution and the timing and the pace of everything, and we don't have to introduce things or waste time in practice to do that. But it, it's really an opportunity for us to teach. And, and some days that's more offensive driven. And we'll have days where we come through and it's a defensive walkthrough. And we're kind of cleaning up our pick and roll coverage and our X outs and our smash downs and our smash ups and, and those things. But it's, it's a chance to really teach. And I think as you go through an entire season and you start to look at how much time you put into that, you can really see the growth in your team. And the reason we can run so many things is because we spend so much time doing that. And uh, I, I think it's very helpful for our players. I think I understand why, but can you explain it, why you separate it from the main practice? Well, I, I think, you know, again, I don't, I don't think kids can be that dialed in for that long. And they have to have breaks. You know, so again, those things for us are, you know, it could be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And then they have a break to tape, change, refresh, get their minds right, and, and go to practice. It also alleviates the practice time. Because if I'm doing that in practice, I'm adding more time 
to their to their bodies. And and when we get to practice, we want to be rolling. We want to be going full speed. And this allows us to not have to stop, teach, get in the minutia of that, and then try to rev them back up. That that's really hard as a player. I didn't like that as a player. You know, so that gives us an opportunity to 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 go full speed once we're in practice. Yeah, I really like that. And uh, connecting it back to you as a player, there's no doubt there's so many things as a player you thought didn't make sense that now help you outline your philosophy, aren't there? Oh, absolutely. And, and for me, I'm a guy, you can show me a lot of things and I may pick it up, but I'm, I'm, I'm more, I, I've got to go through it. I've got to touch it. I got to feel it. I got to walk through it. I, and, and, and I try to give that to our guys. If, if I can walk through it, and I can see it, I have a way better chance of, of knowing it. And hopefully, again, this gives them an opportunity to, to really understand why we're running a play. Like, sometimes you just run plays. And the kids don't know why. And, okay, this is what we're trying to get out of this. Right? This is why you're screening here. This is why we're making this pass. And you can really, really break it down in those moments. So maybe give us an idea. So uh, do you have five families? Do you have 10 families? And then from there, you might end up with 50 play calls that you can go with. Is that kind of the the, the yeah. right ballpark? I have, um, we have probably six different families. And each of those families may have seven or eight things. That doesn't include after free throw actions or stop actions. You know, there's probably 17 things we can do in that moment. And, and that doesn't include, obviously, you know, your zone stuff, in the clock stuff, blobs and whatever. But we, we probably have six families with, with a lot of different options. And then we may have a couple just kind of one-offs. And usually those things are more just quick ball screen actions. That, that don't have a family. So take us through maybe reference playing Gonzaga. When you get ready to play a team on your schedule, are you more focused on your personnel and what advantage they might have or attacking a certain dis, a certain advantage for you against an opponent? What is I'm the philosophy? Big, I'm a big believer in trying to exploit advantages. And, you know, it, it, for Gonzaga, it's hard to do, right? Because <laughs> they have a lot of advantages. Um, and sometimes what our advantage is may not be what's right for that game. Mm -hmm. And that is something we have to explain to our team too. And maybe even the guy that you're used to going through Hey, listen, give them credit. You know, this, whoever this opponent is, what they do best takes away what we want to do, but here's how we have to counter that. And in this game, you have to be more of this than that. And maybe our guard has to be more of this than what he is because we have to play through that, right? But again, you have to give them that. And you have to back that with information. Kids got to see it. You can't just tell them that. They, in this day and age, they want to know why. You know, so I try to do that. This is why. This is game. This is where, this is the game plan. Here's why. Here's the numbers. When you do this and teams do this, here's the outcome. You know, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in how can we find an advantage and how can we exploit that to win the game? You're making me miss coaching. I, I, that's the part I love. I mean, I definitely love the connection with the players and the staff. That's number one. But beyond that, it's just that, that kind of putting my offense against your defense and, you know, vice versa. And just that, that, that fun of the coaching, isn't it? Yeah, that. You know, that's as close as you can get to really competing, right, as a coach. And that's, that's why you're the coach. It, it's your job and your responsibility to find that for your program and for your team to give your kids the best chance. And you know what? It, you know, you get a lot of nerves and angst and all that, but that's, it's pretty fun to do that and to prepare that way. So I read a quote, so I know the end of the quote from you but I want you to fill in the blank for us because it, it applies to definitely this conversation about say preparing for a Gonzaga or whoever it is on your schedule. But you talked about your competition isn't other people. Your competition is, can you help us fill in that blank? 
Yeah, you know, the, the competition is, is you, man. It's yourself. And I always say your competition is, is your comparison mindset. You know, your laziness, your ego, your procrastination. Uh, all those things is, is what you're competing against. And sometimes, even in scouting, and we can take it to basketball, which is very small, you can spend so much time thinking about the opponent and, and what you got to do and what they have and blah, blah. You forget about you and you, who you are is the most important thing. How can I better myself? How can we improve so we have the best chance to win on the court in life, whatever it is, what it may be. But I think people oftentimes think the competition is outside. It's, that's not true. It's, it's you fighting yourself and, and, and overcoming yourself. Uh, and once you can do that, you know, you, you find out that you can win a lot more. Isn't that the truth? And uh, I, I also heard that you ask these questions when interviewing, say, a potential staff member. So I want to I want to turn it to you and hear your answers, because I thought, number one, coaches would really benefit from hearing these questions, because I think they're tremendous questions that dive deeper than just, as we said, the superficial coach talk, um, which you already referenced. So, uh, coach, let's go with the first one. What do you want to be remembered for? Are you asking me that? Yeah, let's turn well, it on to you. I, you know, for me, I, I want to be remembered as someone who, who really, really cared. Somebody who was passionate uh, about other people. Um, and someone who tried to take people to a place they couldn't take themselves. And, you know, I, I, I take that back to my life. I, I always talk about my parents. You know, no one's held me more accountable. And I'm where I'm at in life and because my parents pushed me to a place I could not take myself. And I want to give that back. And I'm not always perfect in it, but I know that's where my heart is. And I, I hope, you know, when this is over, it's, it's, it's what is said about me. I think you're on your way to having that said about you for sure, Coach. Thank the you. second question, what are your expectations for yourself? Well, my expectations, uh, you know, for me is is to build something um, in terms of basketball that uh, a lot of people can be proud of. And uh, I want to create a program here that can win at the highest level, not just in our league, but uh, anywhere nationally. And I say that with all humility. Because, you know, like when I sat with the AD here, I asked him that. I said, hey, what are your expectations and how do I supersede them? Because my expectations are always going to be higher than yours. And, you know, for, as a coach, th th that's my expectation. And, and I, want, I want to create these kids uh, or help build them into to, to great players and, and great people. I really, really do. And I hope this is a place that at some point people are hiring our guys. Our guys are being drafted. They're playing in high-level leagues. And our coaches are getting head coaching jobs. Those are the things that I think about. Like, to me, that's pretty cool. That, that means you're achieving at a high level when, when people want a piece of what you've built. And we have a long way to go, but that, that's, that's what I dream about. Love it. And this isn't one of those questions, but I want to get to the third one in a second. But you referenced your athletic director. I just, you've been around a lot of them. I've been around strong ones and I've been around ones that haven't supported as much. And I'm curious from a coach's perspective, maybe, what is one or two of the most important things an athletic director could do in terms of practical communication in support of you? Be present. You know, I don't, I don't expect an athletic director, because they got a big job and they're busy to, to be around every day at every function. But the climate that we're in now, especially with social media and, and kids and parents, you have to have a good pulse for the program. You have to know what your coaches are doing. You have to have a feel for it. The only way you're going to have to feel for it, you got to be at practices sometimes. You got to travel. You got to constantly every week, you know, there's got to be a dialogue with you and that coach, because I always say where there's a lack of communication, negativity will always fill that void. 
And if you have the communication and you have a pulse for the program, when things come up, you can go, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. No, no, no. I'm there. Here's what I've seen. I've been around. I, right. Sometimes some of these guys are not around. And then you, you get some information and you don't know how to process that. So I, I think that's important Two, support. And nothing worth having or built, it's going to take time. And there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. Nothing is a straight line. And because, again, the social media and the, the increase, the fan base and all these, you know, everybody is an expert. What that coach needs is your support, not when things are great, when things aren't going well. I, I'm nodding my head, coach, because I had an athletic director that would text me after wins and never after losses. And yeah, that's well, the time you want to hear from them, right? Yeah. And guess what? You know, it's like <laughs> when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. They're telling you. And look at Coach K's record. The great Coach K, the greatest coach of all time. Had he been coaching in this day and age, there would be no Coach K. We <laughs> live in such a microwavable society. Everybody wants it now. And I've seen so many great coaches, their careers ruined because someone didn't stand up for them and give them a chance to, to finish. And if you have good people who have a plan, who are organized, who are building something, get, if you stay with it, it'll happen. You know, so I think those are the two good things. Be present and be supportive. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, the third question that you asked your staff or you asked your staff in an interview, which I want to hear from you is, how do you evaluate yourself? Well, I evaluate myself the same way I evaluate my team. You know, so everything starts first with our core principles. Am I living those? And our core principles are selfless, connected, relentless. Am I being selfless? With my time, my energy, uh, am I connected? That's the relationships before championships. Am I connected to everybody within the program? And am I relentlessly attacking everything that needs to be attacked? Starts there. You know, um, and then we move into the things I believe in. Defend, rebound, run. Where are we in those categories? In the league, nationally. Right? Offensively. Where are we in terms of points per possession? You know, here's the goal that I, that I started at the beginning of the year. Here's where we're at. Okay, we're not there. Why? Okay, what am I doing to cause that? Uh, are we too complex? Do I need to simplify? You know, same thing defensively. You know, so it's it's constantly, and then it's using the people around me. I every game, win or lose, I'll ask my staff, what can, how can I be better? And I ask these guys after every game to give me an evaluation sheet uh, based on our games, our performance, uh, offensively, defensively, special teams, me coaching in game. Tell me what I can be. Tell me, give me feedback. Why have people around you? if you're not going to let them tell you the truth and I lean on them to tell me the truth and we have a lot of give and take, but it's my job to be held accountable to by the people that work with me. And I try to use those things as a guiding post. Thank you. It's great to hear your answers to those questions and, and for coaches who are listening to reflect on their answers to those questions as well, because I think it will help prepare them for job interviews and different things that come around like that. Coach, this has been awesome. Uh, so many insights and a uh, great understanding of who you are as a person. Uh, I guess the next question is, as you move into your full second year and into your third and beyond, where are we going? Yeah, you know, I, I'm really proud of what we've done in, so far. You know, Chris, it's hard to take over a job. Any job. It's really hard to take over a job during a pandemic. And, you know, a year ago, uh, you know, when you take a job over and the kids have a new coach, that's hard enough to take over and have a new coach and COVID and all those things. You know, I thought our guys really responded, you know, finished third in the league. We had a lot of good things. And, you know, coming back off that now, we, you know, we're playing the hardest non-conference schedule of the programs played in 30 years. It's what we just played. And, you know, I didn't think we maximized that. And we have an opportunity, if we learn from that, to really grow in league play and do something. But I think as we look at our program, where we are from a fundraising standpoint, how, how we've changed uh, our facilities, the improvements we've made there, um, and 
just the feel of the program. I think we're headed in the right direction. And what we've got to continue to do is we got to continue to grow it. We got to continue to build and we got to continue to buy into our culture. And if we can do that, I think there's great things ahead for LMU. And um, I'm excited to be here. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. You know, it, it's not easy to, 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 to try to take a place that hasn't won in 30 years and, and make it a consistent winner. But I, I do feel like we have the staff, I have the president and the athletic director, the players, the right people to get this done. And, and I'm excited about it. I am too, Coach. I uh, can't thank you enough again for giving me access, but also for this podcast and for you sharing the game with us. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Basketball Podcast. Learn more from some of the best coaches in the world at ImmersionVideos.com. At ImmersionVideos.com, our unwavering commitment to you is to offer the tools necessary for you to be an outstanding coach who values learning and seeks to evolve. If you're a better coach now than you were yesterday, We've done our job, and so have you. The goal is to focus on authentic sharing of resources you can use to help your players and teams improve. Drills, tactics, techniques, philosophies, practice design, and so much more will be shared from numerous coaches, including Nate Oates, Doug Novak, Aaron Fern, Dave Smart, and so many more to come. Go to ImmersionVideos.com now to check out all the products and follow at ImmersionVideos on Twitter to keep up to date. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.